Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Choices Finding Your Joy. Paula Vale here, and oh my gosh, I'm just so excited to share an amazing man with an amazing background who has now gifted us with an amazing book. I have with us today Robert O. Williams. He is the author of Love is the Power, Moving Humanity from Fear to Love. And he has an amazing background. Oh my gosh. He has experienced near-death experiences. He has had a magical time performing and recording with the Beach Boys. So much, so much to share with us today. First off, Robert, welcome to the show, honey. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Paula. It's really a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm just so excited. So, so much to, to share today. Well, I would love to begin with just a bit of your background for everyone. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, your musical career and, you know, just kind of what led you to where you're at and, and led you to writing this amazing book. You know, I, I grew up as kind of an odd duck and uh, I saw things that other people didn't see or didn't report seeing. I saw auras and all kinds of nature spirits. And so I had a magical childhood, you could say. Um, at one point, uh, one of the beings that was visiting me in the backyard regularly said, couldn't do it anymore. And he, he said, you know, it's just against his, uh, his governance to continue seeing me. And so I was very, very devastated. While I was growing up, <clears throat> I experienced this lightness of being in nature and this kind of a, just this energy that is, uh, as we know, built into nature. Mm -hmm. And so when this nature spirit left, um, I was longing for that feeling and I found it in my music. So that's what started me. My father gave me an old saxophone that he had played in World War II. And uh, after I practiced for about four or five months, I began to feel that lightness. You know, you kind of let go, you, you feel that creative thing going on. And so even as a, a 12, 13 year old, I, I was seeking that lightness of being that I had felt in nature and I found it while, while playing music. So that became my, my, uh, my passion and at that age and continued to practice and became a music major and so forth. And, um, gigged all over the place. And like you mentioned, I was uh, fortunate enough to land a job with the Beach Boys in the backup band. Wow. On one of their albums. Yeah, really an amazing experience. This was in the 70s and they were still pretty strong and pretty uh, creative. And Brian Wilson was still doing his brilliance. Um, that actually was the beginning of another phase, which was this illness that overtook me that the doctors really couldn't figure out. So although I was on the road and having a good time playing music, I was also very, very sick and uh, a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort, which um, after two and a half years, the doctors basically just gave up. They didn't know what was going on. Years later, uh, they found all these poisons in my body, but at the time they didn't know I was poisoned and, and what the extent was. All that they knew was that I was dying so they said, well, if you continue in this way, 
you'll be dead in about six months. So we've got to get you in the hospital, you know, monitor your, your every moment. And yeah. that's was one of those wonderful, strong, um, undeniable intuitions that I think we all have from time to time. We, I just knew that that wasn't the place for me. And I didn't know what my future was going to bring. The, the doctors had given me six months to live. So um, I just let go. And I, and I uh, having seen these things as a child, I did believe in other dimensions and other domains and other, you could even say other realities or other ways that our consciousness can manifest. So I wasn't sure about uh, what it was like to die, but uh, I was willing to, to uh, have that experience because I didn't really have a choice. I knew that going to the hospital wasn't going to cure me. So I did have a near-death experience, and um, it wasn't like the ones I've read about where you see the tunnel and maybe some relatives that have passed on. Mm -hmm. I saw my body on the bathroom floor, and then everything just turned into light. There wasn't any tunnel there was just light <laughs> and, and i thank you for acknowledging that we all come from that light we all are yes. light. and we have that essence and we share that essence and that's actually what i'm calling unconditional love or the, the oh. free prior love that is never affected by anything so that is the basis of our own life and it was the including mine and it's so there was a light and then there was me and the light. So I became separated just a bit, which mirrors all of our experience. We have infinity and then we have our, our subjects, our, our uh, sense of selves. And then mm -hmm. the question, who am I or how can I give? And so this, this dynamic started with, with me as well. And the question was, um, do I have a purpose for, to go back into my body? And the answer was yes. So it's kind of like self-talking to self at that point. Yeah. And I knew that I had to return because I had a purpose. I didn't know what the purpose was. When I, when I began to return into my body or towards my body, I saw these different domains, these, these various dimensions that later I read all about. And, and it, it just, uh, it's in the book, but there's levels of love and gods and goddesses and guides and angels and archangels and all those wonderful things we've read about i saw directly and i began to commune with those different levels after i got back into my body oh my in various ways one of the one of the dimensions was full of symbols and these beautiful mandalas and geometries which uh later turned into a, a, a technology, which I can talk about. But I got back into my body and I remember wiggling my toes, you know, that sensation, kind of like waking up from deep sleep, where am I? So I, I woke up back in my body and wiggled my toes. And for about four or five minutes, there wasn't any separation from all that I had experienced, including the beautiful time of year it was, it was March, 1979, springtime, I lived in Santa Barbara. We had a beautiful garden outside, we were by the ocean. And the sound of the ocean and the sounds of the insects and the birds chirping outside. And me, 
on the bathroom floor breathing. There wasn't any disconnect. And in fact, when I was, uh, you know, as if hearing the birds chirp for the first time, I understood that there is a grand intelligence that is not only governing every aspect of nature and creation and all the planets and all the amazing, you know, later I became a parent and watched those National Geographic, what happens every 10 minutes, you know, and the amazing miracle of, of a new human being being born. All of those um, things that we know that are obvious and all of the things that are hidden that we intuit are governed by this innate intelligence, by a love that is beyond anything we can possibly imagine. And I felt that, and I felt that the answers for my own healing um, and the answers for, um, you can even say at that point, I felt the answers for solving big problems in humanity and looking at the cause of abuse and cruelty and suffering were informational um, packages of information that were part of nature, that are in nature, that are as us, in us at the same time. And it's in these higher states of consciousness or more whole times of beingness that intuition brings us solutions, brings us actions that we have not thought of before, but are following this uh, intelligence that is so vast and so beautiful that we, we can actually live from that place. And that's what I call love. And that's what I decided to write about many years later. And here we are. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, you know, what's, you know, your book, Moving Humanity from Fear to Love. Oh my gosh, what, what a difference and change that is, isn't it? When we can move from living in fear to living in love. I think it's inevitable. You know, I think one of the, uh, one of the subsequent trips that I took in these different dimensions, if you can imagine blueprints, so like a plant starts out as a seed, right? And then goes to the sprout and the stem and the leaves. There are subtle blueprints of geometries and information that that plant uh, activates when it's time. So the blueprint for the flower is a latent blueprint at, this, at the level of the seed. So the seed then goes to the sprout. And you know these are, these are ingrained informational fields that are in all parts of the plant, but show up in different ways, uh, depending upon the season and the different times and the environmental conditions. Well, like that, humanity also comes with these blueprints of higher consciousness and these blueprints of love and these blueprints of a society based on that. And it's not only been prophesized and written about in uh, a lot of the indigenous cultures, and I love the American Indian cultures, and they talk about it, the Hopis and the Cherokees, uh, the Eastern cultures, they talk about, for instance, going from Kali Yuga to Sat Yuga, and so time periods of, of awakening. Um, and that is, I think, based on the informational fields that people in higher states of consciousness or that are having epiphanies or the ancient seers and the priests and priestesses, they, they knew this. And therefore, 
they are, in a sense, um, we've been preparing for these, for these times. The fact that you and I are having this conversation is a symptom that we're, we're approaching the time of, of higher consciousness, of higher life. So uh, uh, I, I truly believe that. And we know we're not out of the woods. There's still suffering. But this idea that our hearts, that the source of unconditional love also brings with us ways of living and ways of uh, relation, relational existence that uh, can make huge differences if we get enough. That's the key. We just get enough folks resonating at this more whole level of love, then it will have an effect on the rest of society. And we know it's going to be better than suffering and killing each other for crazy reasons. Yes, yes. And, you know, so much can happen, can't it, when we live those emotions instead of just searching for love, if we live love. It just changes the whole vibration and manifestation, doesn't it? It does, and it goes out. In it, you know, your audience, um, I mean, first of all, I can, I can feel you all, the community, and I can feel you. So there's something there that is beyond just the acoustic thing happening and what we can see and what we see in here and feel through our senses. There is an energy that goes out now that is stronger, has a, a stronger influence than ever before. So like you just said, all that we need to do is just remember, access that place that is um, within our hearts and that is always there and that we can, we can do it in different ways. We can release fear consciously or we can just accept whatever, what is, and the fears usually uh, die down after a while and love shows up because it's always already there. So that practice in its various themes and variations, its various forms, definitely goes out and affects, affects all those around us. It's, it's an important discovery in science that that quality of love is not contained. It goes out. It's part of the web that resonates with all life. Yes, yes. And we can actually continually increase that every day, can't we? Sure can. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It just takes, you know, it's a practice. We all forget. We get wrapped up in our thoughts and our emotions that uh, are, are reacting from other influences and we all have our fears and so forth. But this is the bridge we're on. So we recognize that. We love that as well. And, and we, we realign with, with who we truly are. Doesn't mean that if there's something bad happening uh, that we allow that. We, we need to stop badness when we can, if we can and how we can, then we, we need to respond. So it's, it's a, an appropriate love, just like a mother would protect her child with rage if necessary, with all kinds of, and the father as well, you know, just to, you know, uh, that's a form of love, unconditional love as well when there's danger. So we respond more appropriately to danger from our hearts as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so true. For, for the viewers out there that are thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't wait to order this book. Give them a little insight of what you think may be some of the most powerful messages that they're going to gain. Yeah, the book was really an amazing experience for me to write. 
um, I have interesting stories like the Beach Boys and, you know, fairies and uh, things like that. And I, I do write about those and the dimensions that I visited uh, out of body. But the interesting part of the book was when I would just get out of my own way, um, it was as if we were all writing. And in those moments, I actually couldn't write in the first person. I couldn't, it wasn't about Robert Williams and the Beach Boys anymore. It was about all of us realizing that there is something greater that is accessible now. And when I wrote in that sense, from that voice, you could say, I had to indent and italicized. So I'm hoping that, uh, in fact, I'm just pretty sure that your audience will, will resonate with those words because unity is unity and it was just as much there it, it's just as much their book as it is mine you know and like we all wrote that together i love that i love that because we are all energetically connected oh man it's the it's the it's the wonderful gift as humans we get to live as one consciousness along with our individualities so our individualities don't disappear when we realize unity. Our no two thumbprints are alike, no two snowflakes. We, we, we know this. It's just the creation is mind-boggling when we can look at the different synchronicities and the, the fractal geometries that connect us. And also that no two things are exactly alike, and yet one thing is happening at the same time. I think that is the golden key of this age is to realize both along with uh, the heart's ability to, to give up everything and then wake up as an infinite eternal force of radiant and powerful and everlasting, you know, love, no matter what kind of uh, thing we, we call it, it is there. It is true. And I have always believed that love is the greatest power. It is. Uh, I just have always believed that. And when we connect with that, oh my gosh, so many things can expand. And, you know, it's, it's stronger than anything else, I believe. And it can affect anything that can come into our lives. Yeah. How we look at it. You know. It also has the ability to look at things, I say sometimes with an, like a wide angle lens. You know, we have this, we have a, uh, the mind has the ability to compartmentalize and look at one thing causing another and then we get wrapped up in that. And the heart doesn't ever do that. It is always looking at the whole and what's happening a thousand years from now and a thousand years prior and our our individual consciousness right now in this time relative to everything that's come before us and everything that will become it's um it's something that i think um we all experience when we forget that uh we have just uh, so many hours in a day or we have we're this and that age or we're you know mm -hmm. we we release those either automatically or just when we're not thinking about it we're walking down by the beach or we're walking in the woods or we're with our children and that moment has become infinite right then and there you know and and we're we're still involved with our 
boundaries and the cycles of natures and the time period. But the moments are also full of that eternal quality. And even at concerts, you know, how many of us have gone to a concert where the music is so wonderful that the whole audience, and I experienced this with the Beach Boys, and you know, back in, in the 70s, we, we were able to do big lighters, you know, now it's all phones. Yes. These big lighters, and, and here I was on, in this, on the stage, and, and it was a zone that did happen every time. We just look at each other, here it is. We all felt it. And everyone in the audience, sometimes 30, 40,000 people and all the security people and the ticket sales people and the, and the band and the Beach Boys, we were one thing happening yeah. and staying back and forth. And what's even cooler was that after the concert, people were more loving. It's just an automatic response of a collective experience. So people would just leave, you know, nobody was saying, wait a minute, now what political view do you have over there? Are we, let's go ahead and get into a debate about this. We were in that love. We were in that higher love. And it, it fades, but I think these are the days where it can fade less and less. Oh, wow, that is just such a great example. I mean, that is just a powerful statement of, yeah, because that is true. And everyone would just get so into your music and love it. They'd get so happy and, and they were all together. I bet that was something to see. It, it actually also helps us with our wounds and our pain and the tragedies that we all have endured. It's like I say, we're still in an age of where there's suffering and cruelty, mm -hmm. bad things. It doesn't mean we ignore them or it doesn't mean that uh, we pretend that they don't really exist, but it actually gives us a, a wisdom about life that allows us to reconcile um, at least some of our pain with, with those conditions, absolutely. Would you have any recommendations for anyone out there watching today that's thinking, oh my gosh, I so wish I could be in a state of love. I so wish I I could do that and connect with that, but I just don't know how, or what, what would you say to that person as a beginning step? That's the point right there. As soon as that person, as soon as I'm saying, how can I do this? How can I do that? Then, oh, what am I thinking? Okay, I'm asking that question. What am I feeling? Well, I'm feeling, let's say frustrated. Right there, that's a portal to the heart. Any thought or emotion is a porthole to the heart, it's a doorway to the heart. So what do you do with that question? You, you love, you just accept your own frustration, your own innocence, your own complications, all what you feel you are, just accept that. It's being in the moment, that's another, you know, Eckhart Tolle's work is wonderful. It opens the heart when we love what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're sensing even. It's that place that can, can reconcile. It doesn't even have to answer the question. It just loves that. That's how you can start. And that's, that's the, the shortest cut to, to uh, your own infinite love. It's by becoming aware of what you're thinking, what's going on right now, accepting that without resistance or without holding on. It's that, it's the infinity. It's, it's, it's always there. Infinity always stays infinity. It's always 
in the, it's always here in our finite thoughts and our finite uh, emotions. That's uh, it's a technique that works these days because of mass consciousness. Yes. And would you say, Robert, that there is so much love inside us, around us, that, you know, it's hard to even, you know, take that into to perception because there is so much of that love, but it is there, would you say? Yeah, it is. And it, you're right. It's hard for us to take it all in. We actually can't if we try to think our way into taking it all in. <laughs> or, the mind says no. Yeah, the mind you know, <laughs> goes so far. We love our minds, you know. You know, yeah. they do so sometimes. <laughs> yes. but, but we're talking the heart. Okay, you know, for all the parents in your audience, when, the, when, the, when your newborn is crying, you're not thinking, oh, what's in it for me? Let's see, what... What am I going to get out of this deal here? You know, I mean, maybe this, or, or, you know, what do I generally, especially mother's love. And I, I have a daughter and I, they just go to the child that's crying. There's a, there's love that is just radiating out there because of that innate condition of being a parent. And as a innate condition in humanity itself, but think of that moment. You're, you're just holding the child. And then, okay, does it need to be nursed? Does it need to be changed? Whatever. You know, if, it's starting with love. And it's an automatic thing. So like that, when our minds start doing this or our emotion starts doing that, that's like our crying infants. Oh. Hold them. I love love comes. Love comes right then and there. Oh, I love that, Robert. I love it. We have just a couple moments left in the show. What last words would you like to share with everyone today? Personally, is to I want to extend or really share the feeling of gratitude and knowing that all of us have persisted in our own ways. All of us are here, and we've we've all been hurt. We've all seen others get hurt. We don't like that. And yet we're here and we're, and we're pondering and we're contemplating love. And that is something that is so valuable and so powerful that personally I am extremely grateful for that. I'm extremely grateful to be alive right now with you and your audience. Oh, I'm grateful as well, Robert to be connected with you at this moment, to be connected with everyone that's watching the show right now. My gosh, isn't it just so wonderful? And life is gonna get better. Persistence, mm -hmm. you know? A lot of stuff on the news, but life will, is destined to get better. Just keep loving, keep loving, doing what we know to be best. Yes. Continue our love and gratitude. We'll see you. There you go. And I challenge everyone out there today, tomorrow, and, and the days after. Let's continue, you know, just connecting and sharing and living that love together. Oh, I love it. That is just so perfect. Robert, thank you so much for being with us today. I am just so honored and grateful. It was a joy, Paula. Thank you. 
Oh, just love it. Love, hugs, and blessings. Everyone out there, love, hugs, and blessings. Bye.